I went to a marvelous party. Most people don't even know the fact the underlying ideas don't have enough depth to last for an entire season. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Live from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships, everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through thedinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the December 16th, 2012 livecast of The Dinner Party Show. And tonight, we will not be talking about the tragedy that took place in Newtown, Connecticut this past Friday. And with the exception of one segment you will hear in a few minutes, which, believe it or not, we recorded before the awful events of this weekend, we will not be holding an extensive debate on how to effectively end the current epidemic of gun violence that grips this nation. We are not bowing to the sanctimonious bullies who believe that all debates about gun control that don't agree with our current failed policy should be postponed until the reality of gun violence recedes from everyone's memory yet again. Everyone, that is, who has not been the victim of gun violence. We made the decision tonight for one very simple reason. We are not equipped or qualified to cover this complex and still unfolding story with its many victims and its many shattered families. Our goal at the Dinner Party Show is to bring you a humorous two-hour diversion from the seriousness and self-indulgence of most popular news organizations. And Facebook friends. We would like our guests to be able to chew over the issues of the day, not choke on them, and we'll do our best to give you a little warning before we shove something down your throat. Just a little. Clearly, Christopher and I are both very opinionated, but at this table, we choose to express our opinions through satire, mostly. Satire which targets the excesses of people and institutions who, in their blind pursuit of their own personal agendas, have lost all sense of self-awareness. In other words, most human beings here on Earth. So don't get us wrong. We're not saying we will never offend you. And we're not saying we'll never serve you a dish that tastes just a little bit sour. Or a lot sour. What we are saying is that we don't have the budget of Saturday Night Live. Otherwise, we would have opened our show with a beautiful children's choir singing a pristine Christmas carol tonight. Well, we don't have their ratings either. So what? We have our loyal listeners, and tonight we'll bring them a report on the imaginary war on Christmas. Preposterous apocalypse theories. Self-destructive celebrities. And yes, one very special word from a sponsor that's sure to rattle the cage in which you keep your opinions about gun control. So yes, Virginia, everything else is still on the table and just about everyone else will still get served tonight on The Dinner Party Show. And now, here to give tonight's provocation for The Dinner Party Show is a male prostitute. Hey, yo, what's up? So dinner's cool. It's going to be like an hour, right? Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. Two hours. Okay, so that's going to be like twice my normal rate, but that's cool, right? 
Is that cool? Okay, okay, that's that's cool. Good. And yeah, God is great. I can totally do like a God thing. Sure. You just need to let me know which God you're gonna want me to do because I do this Kabbalah thing that helps me grow. Okay. So you want another God? Okay. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Also, do you want me to wear? It doesn't matter what I wear. Okay. Great. Great. Okay. All right. So bless all of us, I guess. Uh, and uh, oh, how, how many people is it gonna be? Because that can change the rate a little. Okay talk about it later okay uh, all right sure all right so bless our dinner party which is gonna be like a two-hour rate thing and uh, you saw my hourly rate when you looked at my okay cool. yeah okay bless our dinner bless my hourly rate and bless whatever God you want uh, I can totally be into any of them awesome let's go amen Boy, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for I'm telling you. Well, it's the days. holidays. It's, you know, it's difficult to get uh, anybody in to do yeah. uh, provocations. Thank God we had such gr great luck with guests. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We have Ted Casablanca in the, the studio. Ted Casablanca. Gossip guru, pop culture maven. And we've got Mark Andreco, my very good friend and uh, celebrated uh, graphic novel writer. Who I'm really excited to meet. I just got to say hello in the lobby, but you've been raving about him for well I longer have. than I can hardly I have, stand. I have, and Eric pointed at me because he wants me to do this. <laughs> Welcome to our guest. They will be joining us shortly. I always want to sing along with that part. And yeah, that trained singer's voice. It Absolutely. really, really brings something to the show. Extensive musical theater in high school. Sir. Clearly, you could all tell, right? And you do extensive musical theater on the way to the grocery store every day. Absolutely. That's what convertibles are for <laughs> singing to people on the street as you go <laughs> hurtling by like Cruella DeVille on the way to Gelson's. Absolutely. Well, we should probably tell people this is our last live show of the year, but then we will be bringing you two very special holiday specials for Christmas and New Year's on the, the next Sundays following the show. And unlike our Thanksgiving special, which was a mashup of the two shows we'd done previously, our special correspondents have filed all new reports for these Christmas Absolutely. specials. Absolutely. So it's a very special Christmas dinner party show next Sunday and then a New Year's show Absolutely. the following Sunday, which is, uh, I don't know what date that's on. We should I probably know that before we go on I the air and stuff. No, we've had so much caffeine and there's so many pages on our dining table, we just don't know where we we'll are. We'll probably talk about it again. We'll forget that we mentioned it in this segment. Absolutely. But we do have a report from Breck Artery. Do you know, what is Breck uh, reporting about this? Well, week? you know, know, I think it's a very topical, um, yeah, oh holiday boy. theme. Oh boy, here we go. TDPS News takes you live to Breck Artery, standing in front of where many believe there used to be a stable in Bethlehem. Breck? This is Breck Artery, standing in front of the unadorned stone walls of the humble structure that is said by many to mark the site of the cave where the Emperor Hadrian erected a temple monument to Adonis, the Greek archetype of youth and beauty who was beloved of the goddess Aphrodite and her daughter, Persephone. Or, as others believe, it is the site of the cave where the historical Jesus was born while his parents were participating in some pre-Bush-era taxation. Or perhaps it is just the site where the Emperor Constantine's mother, Helena, decided to build a church in celebration of the religious significance of the birth of the figure at the center of the official Roman religion, Christianity. Whatever the case, this pile of stones is Christmas ground zero. As such, we've chosen this religious flashpoint to discuss the war on Christmas about which so much has been discussed and written in recent years. 
In that Christmas is without doubt or peer the most successful holiday in all of human history, I was initially quite surprised to hear reports of attacks on this holiday. As I looked into the history of this, the holiday's point of origin, I learned that the original basilica had been destroyed during a local area revolt sometime between 529 and 556 AD. It was a long time ago, but surely this would be in the history of any war being waged on Christmas. It's not. In fact, not only did the burning and sacking of the place that marks, at least symbolically, the very start of Christmas itself fail to make the list of wartime grievances, neither did the taking of the church by Persian invaders in the 7th century, nor the ravishment and exploitation of the site during hundreds of years of crusades, not the desecration of the site by the Ottoman Empire, nor the struggle by Emperor Napoleon III to reclaim sovereignty over the site, not even the actual war that the emperor fought with the Russians over it when he did get it back from the Turks, not the earthquake or years of Israeli-Palestinian conflict that have embroiled the region, not even the 2002 hostage crisis where hundreds of monks and tourists were held at gunpoint by Palestinians fleeing the Israeli authorities who besieged the little church for 39 days, starving hostages and hostage-takers alike until an end to the standoff could be negotiated. None of these salvos made the list in the war on Christmas. As I researched these Christmas hostilities, I discovered that it was considered by those reporting on it to be a cultural assault on the nature of this long-observed religious holiday. But even there, the nature of the battery of this beleaguered but wildly successful holiday proved elusive. Was it, for instance, the rather arbitrary appropriation of the pagan rituals surrounding the winter solstice, clearly not even vaguely the time or the season of the birth depicted in the Christian tradition and literature? Nope. Was it the Christmas tree itself, a vestige of the worship of the sun gods from ancient cultures, which many believe was used as a beautiful but cynical Victorian-era ploy to change the drunken brawling nature of the celebration of the holiday, prevalent in the period, into a more civil and home-based drunken celebration of the holiday? No, still not it. Perhaps, I thought, it was the crass exploitation by retailers entertainment producers and advertisers of the adoration of the child god by visiting astronomers into an orgy of consumption and a celebration of the material over the spiritual that has co-opted this second most sacred day on the Christian calendar. Not a jot. What then, I demanded, what is this war on Christmas? Who is waging it? What are the stakes and where are these battle lines being drawn? Had Santa actually come down the chimney at my home and flown away on a sleigh drawn by flying reindeer, I could not have been more surprised by the answers this reporter uncovered. Despite the fact that there are actually wars being fought all over the globe in which Americans, among many others, are dying, there are alleged news reporters devoting actual news and reporting time claiming that there is a war on this holiday. Their evidence for this war seems to be twofold. One, there are people out there who do not celebrate Christmas and do not want to. There can't be many, but even if there are, is that really a war? Christmas dissenters perhaps, conscientious objectors even, or perhaps just Jewish people, but hardly soldiers in a war. But then there's Fold 2, and this is the big secret weapon in this much-reported war on Christmas, the use of the word holiday. That is correct. This reporter has not been at that agnog. There is actual objection to the use of the word holiday presented as prima facie evidence of a war on Christmas. There was actual news coverage last year when the White House Christmas card did not depict a Christmas tree and used the word holiday in its greeting. 
This just in. A Christmas tree is a pagan symbol, and the word holiday means holy day. It's not that tricky. It's just one letter different. And no, the use of I instead of Y is not further evidence of this Christmas war delusion. So, to those out there in actual harm's way, fighting to preserve our right to spend Thanksgiving pushing and shoving each other at the mall as we struggle over half-priced Chinese-made trinkets and light boxes to kick off the annual orgy of material gluttony that we call the Holy Days, as you face intermittent gunfire and IEDs in our defense, let me say on behalf of myself and all the reporters at TDPS News, we wish you every blessing now and all throughout the year. We offer our sincerest apologies for the alleged practitioners of news reportage who would belittle the daily horror of war by evoking its image to justify their thinly veiled religious intolerance and their not so thinly veiled ignorance of the English language they're so big on everyone speaking. And to all of you Christmas warriors fighting your imagined fight to save this, the single most successful annual event in human history, from the threat of your inability to understand English or the religious tolerance on which this country was founded, and to those of you who are just enjoying the festivities, whether or not you believe in the underlying mythology, this is Breck Artery wishing a happy Christmas to all, and to all, good night and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show. We'll be the judge of that. Well, that was very moving. Right? Well, we wanted yeah. to set an appropriate holiday tone. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll say. What was that, a Christmas song about two abusive drunks beating the crap out of each other in the streets of New York? Uh, I think that's about right. And that's really your favorite Christmas song? No, it's oh, not my, my favorite God. Christmas song. I think, it's the, my, I think it's the funniest Christmas song. I think it's just... <laughs> They're so horrible. They're it is, awful. It is the paradise of the dashboard lights of Christmas <laughs> songs. <laughs> well, here we are, the dinner party show with Christopher Rice and Eric Jacquin back in form after our serious not report that started right? off the show this evening. Well, we with... said we weren't going to be talking. We weren't going to get all sanctimonious and serious. No, and we're not. And we're so damn well not going to. You would like to talk about the end of the world, well, which, if schedules are correct, is happening this Friday. Right. Either the end of the world or the winter solstice or both. I, I don't know that one rules the other out is allegedly going to happen. At, uh, on Friday at at three eleven in the afternoon. How do that's we know my, this? That's How my we favorite part. Well, I, apparently, um, the Mayans, a people who were so prescient they were unable to predict their own demise from a mild drought that struck their culture. They were apparently at the time of at their height. Mm-hmm. They had a city that had the population density of Los Angeles. Get out of here! Really? It was really a thriving culture. Wow. That was so, you know, forward thinking that when it didn't rain for a little bit, they everybody <laughs> left or died or starved to death or something, and that was the end of that. But, okay. So I, I'm not sure that I I would trust their um, ability to predict mm-hmm. anything, let right. alone the end of the world. But or maybe anybody's ability to depict the, or to predict, excuse me, the end of the world. Well, like you have to have some either some real documented evidence that you've got a good psychic gift going on, right? Or you need to you know have some science to back up your predictions. Well, I, you know the thing that always strikes me about all of the end of the world things is the is the arrogance implicit in thinking that any 
human events that a calendar written by the Mayans or us or, you know, Nostradamus predicted the end of the world for 1999. And But Nostradamus has had so many predictions credited to him that he didn't actually make. I mean, there's some new piece of mangled poetry should... that goes out over email that's allegedly, like the Nostradamus prediction about two silver birds that was allegedly 9-11. He never said it. Totally debunked. We should, um, we should start after every big thing happens putting out a story that we predicted it Absolutely. on the show and then we Absolutely. could just go back and record a show saying that Absolutely. we I believe that it's a brilliant idea don't you think I think we're running out of end of the world theories as well. if, if we're looking to this very very fragile one from the Mayans I think well, we're the NASA certainly NASA has already released um, a so the world didn't end yesterday video which we've posted on our Facebook page in case you're interested we went ahead and posted it now so that if the world does in fact end on Friday you will have had the opportunity to see it prior to, you know, the day after the world ends. I'm not even sure what how you would end the world. Oh, oh, there's lots of ways. You just pulled the plug? There's like, a No, there are many ways in which theorists who have embraced this as an apocalypse theory believe that it may take effect, okay? And I, I downloaded this lovely information from a site called Rational Wiki, which is not very kind to those of you who may have, you know, be capable of leaps of faith in this area. So the keyword is rational. Rational and, and rather uh, terse. There's one hypothesis is that a foreign planet... And I guess all planets are foreign if you don't live on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I would, a lot of donuts last night. I I'm still working that, off my sugar hangover. I think that we can say all yes. Okay, Jupiter. Planet X, they call it, is going to uh, crash into Earth. Or, um, I'm sorry, it's going to have a near miss with Earth, which will cause the Earth to stop rotating for several hours and then restart. And gravity... Uh, will, um, you know, drive everybody crazy. I don't know what that's near, about. Near Buru or near, 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 isn't that the name of the... Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, here's the thing. They say that um, the planet, every anytime something remotely blurry happens on um, on the, uh, <laughs> the, the astronomers, whatever, we had a computer error. I think Mayans are screwing with us. That's right. I think Mayans are angry about what we're saying. Right, the ancient Mayans. Okay, let me get through these revenge. other theories before we start chewing over the individually. Pole reversal is the other theory, that the poles, which usually take, I think, hundreds and thousands... 5,000. Thousands of years to reverse will um, uh, suddenly reverse in the span of several hours, really just screwing up everything about the planet. Actually, that would just screw up compasses. Okay. Um, and then I think the last one I cannot even understand. I read over it and I still don't know. It's a galactic center thing, which Rational Wiki or the authors at Rational oh, Wiki this call is bull, the, pure bullshit astrology. Where all the planets and galaxies line up in a straight line and and things are all crushed by gravity. Like what happened in the Dark Crystal, right? Things or, lined or up and then that, Muppets that, changed the shape. The second Dan Brown film. Oh, God. Angels and Insects. Angels whatever. and Demons. Angels, Angels and Insects is a very respected A.S. Byatt literary novel. Angels and Demons <laughs> where they have a jar of antimatter. <laughs> I love that. The, well, wait a minute. Can I just say something so here? So misunderstands the nature of antimatter. You couldn't have a jar of antimatter. I That's, know, but because we're coming off like like uh, rash skeptics, and and we're not really those guys in everyday life. Like you believe in an afterlife, and you believe in you believe that things are possible that we cannot necessarily see. But this is a really this is a theory that's got nothing backing it up. Really, like except, nothing. Except for people's need to feel important in a giant universe. That's what I think. It's that's why I think arrogance is the source of all of it. It 
it, it, there is a desire to feel like we are, in fact, connected, that we are in some way important in what seems to be rather a vast and intimidating universe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think well, it maybe doesn't just seem to be. I think it actually is a vast and intimidating universe, sort of like those foreign planets. Absolutely. Well, I think that it's uh, – I think that, that – that exhausts my. I don't know that we have. We have, for your convenience, posted an app on the on the Facebook page that will allow you to keep track of how many minutes it is until the afternoon of the winter solstice or possibly the end of the world, depending on what you choose to believe for yourself. Absolutely. And now a word from a sponsor that um, mm-hmm. I kind of can't believe we booked on the show. No, we can't. We booked them before. Uh, early before last this week, week we happened. booked the sponsor. And uh, after that, we're going to go right into Tuan, Queen of the Stars. He's so, back. a little more astrological. Yep. And then- Getting older. It's a long, slow slide into the inevitable. All the vitamins and exercise and face cream in the world can't change the fate we all share. You can rinse away the gray, but you can't hide from the truth. Life is to be lived, and let's face it, over time, that just gets harder and harder to do. Your body starts to decay long before you shuffle off this mortal coil. See Alice in Viagra? only serve to remind us that what used to be a source of joy and an expression of happiness has become a flabby shadow of a time that isn't coming again. In the end, we all just wind up in the proverbial rocking chair, waiting for the relief of a good bowel movement or the welcome, cold embrace of death. But not the lucky ones. In America, Thanks to the tireless efforts of a dedicated industry and the indefatigable cadre of elected public servants who support them annually, nearly eight to 9,000 fortunate Americans are spared the soul-crushing tedium of growing old, gracefully or otherwise. Each year, these selfless crusaders spend millions to bring the cause of unnecessary aging to the attention of legislators and public officials. Through their ceaseless efforts, nothing stands between you and your growing opportunities to prevent unnecessary aging. These advocates for preventable aging have been so successful that each year, accidentally, hundreds, many still in the bloom of youth, are spared the tragedy of aging altogether. By contrast, many years in underdeveloped countries like Japan, you can count those who are saved from the agony of aging on your fingers if you still have all ten. So the next time you feel a twinge in your back as you bend over to check out your crow's feet in the mirror because you can't see them with your glasses on and you can't see that far without your glasses, take a moment to thank your maker that you've got a better chance of seeing him sooner because you live in a country where age-limiting visionaries are working around the clock to make sure you have the freedom to leave behind a better-looking corpse. Getting older, don't let it happen to you. This message is brought to you by the good folks at the National Rifle Association. You're welcome, America. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hey, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Watch those horns, Aries. With the Sun in Sagittarius and Venus in Scorpio, it'll be a hot time until the cooling influences of the winter solstice bring new players onto the cosmic stage. With the influence of the Sun in this house of change, our focus becomes more worldly, while closer to home, passions heat up. 
This combination means we will all look to deepen our relationships and to leave meaningless one-night stands behind, except for that whore, Virgo, who can't think of anybody but herself and doesn't mind whose boyfriend she's with since she won't be there long enough to learn their names. Fiery, mutable Sagittarius guides us to greater heights, while Venus and Scorpio light a fire under our higher ambitions, except for Virgo, who can't seem to get off her back long enough to stand up for anything more ambitious than homewrecking and heartbreaking. So, with the season of winter holidays ascending, so too are our spirits and our hopes for more. Unless, of course, you've made the mistake of inviting Virgo to your Christmas party, in which case you should throw the mistletoe on the fire and take the hinges off the bedroom door and keep an eye on that man-stealing Virgo who apparently sees the longer winter nights as extended working hours. Till next time, this is Twan wishing you and yours happy and Virgo-free holidays as you watch out for the stars. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. And now it's time for Etiquette 90069 with Brock and Bastion, West Hollywood's most perfect gay couple. Today's entry, social media. Hi, we're Brock and Bastion. Well, I'm Bastion. Yes, you are. And we're pleased to be joining the Dinner Party Show. We feel that Chris and Eric are really adding something to the community with equal parts wit and insight for a perfect confection of a comedy variety program. Thanks to you both for allowing us a place at your perfectly appointed table. Translation, after years of ignoring them both socially, we figured we'd better get on this back. Wagon or wind up watching this parade from the sidelines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if the show flops. And we're betting against them because who needs the competition? Uh, right. We can always cut our losses and say we knew it all along while we still look good for trying to help them out by lending our names to their little project. <laughs> <laughs> win win. <laughs> You're terrible. Your word. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> okay. Down to business. Social media. Let's face it, social media is what became of hooking up online. Through the success of Facebook and a long list of its predecessors. Anyone remember Friendster? (laughs) (laughs) Online cruising accidentally became respectable. Or so we've been told. Right. (laughs) But let's face it, it's still all about the pictures. Right. The art is in making the pictures seem to be about sharing your life with, air quotes, friends while showing as much skin as possible. Okay, we're in debt to the tune of way more than we'll ever make with our, air quotes, non-profit organization, Save the Hot Kill. <laughs> and believe me, we are sucking money out of that place like vampires at a blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> but all those, air quotes, charitable donations are pouring into the mortgage for the giant glass house and pool we built in the Pretense Hill Enclave looking down on West. <laughs> Hollywood. We call it the Glass Palace, and it is without doubt the coldest and most uncomfortable house in the world. But the view is superior. Mm-hmm. And it is the perfect backdrop for pictures of ourselves and our ever younger groups of 
air quotes, friends, wearing next to nothing. Well, we've got a running tab at the Plastic Surgeon. And we have to stay at hotels to get a comfortable place to sit down. But our Facebook page is a misery. Okay. But that's just step one in the social domination through social media strategy. Right. It's one thing to have hot pictures, but it means nothing if you don't have hot, air quotes, friends to back it up. Now, there are three different categories of hot, air quotes, friends. There's the obvious pool ornament hot. There's the conspicuous consumption category of ostentatiously, air quotes, rich hot friends. You don't actually have to be rich. You just have to tell people that you're rich. Complain about being discriminated against for uh -huh. being rich. Make a big fuss about raising tax rates being class warfare. Make big, well-publicized public donations on your Visa card and then talk oh, about oh, how oh, much oh. you've, air quotes, given. Now don't give away all our oh. <laughs> the main thing is, spend all your time and effort talking about how rich you are, and you too could find yourself in the, air quotes, rich hot friend category. The third kind of hot is the famous hot, air quotes, friend. The air quote does not come before the famous in this case because you kind of can't fake it. Fortunately, what counts as famous among the truly superficial lowers the bar to Kardashian levels. So, if you've been on a reality show, or done porn and still look good, or just impressive in a speedo, or are a has-been child star who was outed in the media even though everyone already knew, and you spend a lot of your free time talking about how rich you are, then we probably friended you on Facebook. The main thing to remember is that truly rich and famous people don't have to tell you they are rich or famous any more than truly hot people have to tell you they're hot. So we don't waste a lot of time on them unless we need something, because they won't up your Facebook hot status like a former child star with a porn career and an over-leveraged insurance salesman boyfriend with a Bentley lying by our pool well. That way, when people come to look, they see the fabulous pictures we've staged of our lives. They see all our hot, hot, hot rich and hot famous, air quotes, friends, and faster than you can say VGL, we've got a new friend from one of the three categories who in turn build up our social media credibility. One note, sometimes actual friends who don't fit into one of these categories want to be friends. Now you have to accept a certain number of these friends. That's right. Who would envy us if we didn't? But the main thing to remember is that on Facebook, just like in real life, you can unfriend people who don't do anything to affect how other people feel about you without ever telling them. Unless they check, they'll never even know. So remember, it's not how hot, how rich, or how famous you are. It's how hot, how rich, and how famous people think you are that counts. Isn't social media great? <laughs> this is Bastion. And Brock. And this has been Etiquette 90069. Thanks to Chris and Eric for inviting us to be on their show. <laughs> Air, Air quotes. <laughs> <laughs>
It's right in front of you. Right. That's I, a friggin' cookie. That's right. I, that's, want, I want some food. That's I want right. courses a- Alec with Mafa, silver. Alec Moffa was here, and he said, this is white people food. This is white people food. <laughs> Get this thing catered. Yeah. It is catered. Eric spends all day baking those cookies hey, while yeah, I spend uh, all day actually focusing on how we're going to get the show I, on the air. What we ought to do is invite the guests that, uh, over everybody who's been on for a while and have me actually cook them a meal, and then they'll thank God for those cookies. Yeah, I don't think you're that bad a cook. If you get one of the nine things that I know how to make. Mm-hmm. But your interior decoration makes up for the lack of cuisine. i got to say, I've been in a lot of studios, but mm-hmm. nothing like this. That is really kind And Mark, of who's coming on later, is so funny. He was saying out in the green room that it's like a bordello here. It's like, does sex come with right. the show? <laughs> Not yet. Felatio, does it come along with sound it, it depends on if the If I guest. do a good one, do I get yeah, a blowjob or absolutely. something? Well, the guy we had Why are you the, pointing at me on the blowjob? Oh, right. The we did you our, got to yes. do the provocation. I, I guess it's was... a little late. Am I supposed to ask what I can and cannot say? But you can say anything you want. This okay. is the brave I new digital world. Everything's on the table at the dinner party show. Absolutely. Everyone gets served. You got it. And I, I, you know, I was listening to your end of the world theories <laughs> earlier, and I have to say, um, I know you don't really want to bring it down, but I have to say how much my heart is with the families in Connecticut right now and it, how awful what happened was. And if that isn't something that is indicative of the end of the world, I don't know what is. Mm. It is. And as a journalist for many years, this has always been a tough one for me. I mean, you want to talk about movies and fun stuff and holiday stuff. And then look what just happened Mm -hmm. in Newtown. And it's like, how can you not talk about something like that? Mm -hmm. The thing that I I think is so phenomenal is that, and not to in any way minimize what happened there, is that that many people are killed by guns in this country Every day. Absolutely. It is a daily carnage. Which is why we, we need to be of... talking about gun control now. And, and, and I don't agree with those who say, oh, now it's not the time. You're supposed mm-hmm. to show the respect for those right. who have been killed. And I completely disagree. If we don't do it now, Absolutely. nothing won't. Nothing will be done for later on for the next one that's going to happen. I agree with oh, you. You're, you're I agree with you. Singing to the choir. I Absolutely. couldn't agree with you more. I just don't understand why. That's why we did. Did you hear the... Um, the don't let it happen to you. Radio spot. We had actually recorded before the, before this any of this happened. We were like, well, that's gonna be our comment. But, and what's this? The Mayans were ruined by a drought. What, a <laughs> slight were, drought, you said. Ruined. This they is had, funny they research. Mild, they had a mild drought. It wasn't even a severe drought. They just had a mild drought. How be- did they get wiped out? The population one. density was so great that. Any sort of – they just didn't have the water. Water is a much more essential element of life than we pay much attention to in the uh, – now that we're doing this as the dark soup segment. Hey, you um, started it. I guess so. We did do the end of the world. So. It was like 20 minutes of freaking end of the world stuff. <laughs> We were talking about how we didn't believe it. And now you want to blame me for going there? No, 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 here's the deal. I'm going to chime in from the corner just a second. We all want to believe we're living at the end of the world. It makes us feel more significant and important. There's always an apocalypse theory that cycles through every generation because we want to believe we're it. We're the moment. Remember that guy guy uh, up in the Bay Area who was predicting the end of the world was going to be May 21st and then it didn't end and he went, oh, it's going to be October 21st. That was the rapture, right? It didn't end again. Well, it was first the rapture was supposed to happen on the 21st and then the end of the world was supposed to be the 21st of October and then when it there was no 
he actually called it the rupture. The, when the rupture. rupture didn't happen on the 21st of May. He said, well, they were both going to happen at the same time. So people sold their houses and quit their jobs and then nothing happened on October 21st. And he went, well, maybe nobody can predict this. And Absolutely. I thought, really? You think? You think that could be it? And what do you all need to get accomplished before the world ends? I, my I Christmas mean, shopping's done. So I'm really, this is this really? show. And uh, I already posted the video from NASA on the Facebook page. So even if the world does end, people will have seen the So the World Didn't End yesterday. Before it does end, could you serve some better food at your dinner party? You know what? We're going to have a word from our sponsor real quickly, and we'll get you a nice steak during our commercial break. We'll be right back, I hope. A little Julia Child. Do you or someone you know have a problem with yoga? Are you ignoring complaints from your loved ones that you always smell of Shampa? Are you showing up late to meet friends for lunch and demanding the restaurant employees make a special place just for your mat? Do you find yourself giving long, unsolicited lectures to your elderly relatives about how their diagnosed physical ailments are all being caused by problems in their mind? If any of this sounds like a description of you or someone you care about, then the Loster Posture Institute is here to help. Our trained specialists have years of experience helping those whose genuine investment in their own good health has turned them into hopelessly superior douchebags. Our Truth Acquaintance Seminars educate patients on the actual biological origins of most fatal diseases and demonstrate that the only real dangerous negative thoughts in their lives are the fantasies of murder that go through the minds of everyone in their presence when they won't shut up about yoga. Many Americans can practice yoga responsibly, but for the millions who can't, the Loster Posture Institute is here to help. Our unique, private facilities are decorated entirely off-center with uneven floors and missing light fixtures. This is just one of the many proven ways we divorce our patients from the unrealistic expectation that perfect balance and alignment can be achieved by listening to some superior struggling actor once a day. So if your life or the life of someone you loved has done a downward dog right into the gutter, don't wait. Call the Loster Posture Institute today. Gentlemen, 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 we're back on the I'm air. Sorry. We're Mr. back Rice, on the air, gentlemen. Mr. Rice, what do you want to know? Mr. Casablanca. You know what, Mr. Casablanca, you are a civilian now. I am. And so there's been much chat on the interweb I'm so happy about how it is that you came to be a civilian. And we thought maybe we would ask you a little bit about that today. Like, mm -hmm. how did you wind up being a civilian? The big rumor is you accidentally typed <laughs> That's my Jeremy there are in somebody's this in some Let's blind see. What is it? Tell me again. What exactly the, happened? The, I suppose there was did. some blind item, right. and you About accidentally typed. Right. No, you were you were using some fake name, and then you accidentally used the name Jeremy right. in the in the piece, and it was Jeremy Renner, and you outed him, and E fired you for it. That's the big. That's the big dramatic rumor. That so, is a great story. Do you like that? I like it. So maybe in the movie version. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. That would be really nice. And the you fictionalized could get Jeremy to movie come over version. And, yeah, since well, it did not happen, well, I'm sorry yeah. to say. Uh, wasn't there any drama? Nothing to gossip uh, there about are at all? Many who came close, but you know, nothing ever happened, and certainly nothing ever happened with Jeremy Renner. I'm sorry to puncture that one. It's we used untrue. to live in the same building. 
We did. No, no, Jeremy Renner and I did. Oh, really? Yeah, we lived in the same building for a He's while. He's a talented actor. Very talented. And this was before and he had hit it big. what blind items do you know about I knew Jeremy nothing. Renner? I knew nothing. My building has a community of <laughs> residents See, who are there. He can't stop himself. But I um, <laughs> Old I habits didn't. die hard. Yeah. Tell me what you know. Well, Jeremy hey, Renner I'm just was... trying to get the onus off of me having to, like, you know, discredit crap that's out there. That's all. Well, but please go ahead. Territory, right? you your days, your that. affair with Je- Jeremy? I did not have Is an affair with saying, Jeremy Renner. I have never had an affair with Something anyone famous. Something happened in the elevator? No. He lived on the opposite side of the building. My building has two towers and two creaky old elevators, and he was. we never rode the elevator together. And he wasn't that famous yet. He hadn't really hit it big. He was just Jeremy. He was just Jeffrey yeah. Dahmer. Did he ride your point. elevator? No, he did not ride no. my okay. elevator. okay. All right, all right. So this is like what you were talking in the know. lobby, where people just make up the story that they exactly like, this is where Christopher and, uh, had an affair with Jeremy Renner. You heard it here, folks. And my it never happened. From e, apparently, that's what happened, it. which is not what happened. No, it was just time to. to. It was time to say goodbye. It had been a great run. I'm so grateful for it. I was so happy there, but it was time to do something new. And you're they asked me to a- stay for uh, another deal that would have been three more years, and I just thought. You know what? This is the time. So I'm working on a book. I'm talking to oh, another place can you that I cannot wait to tell you about. So you'll come I, back and tell us. I'll come back to tell you about can that. Can you give us a hint about what no. the book's about? No. Oh, nothing. the book. Yeah, oh, let's yeah. talk about the oh, book. Oh, okay. In fact, that's the only reason I came on this goddamn show. Is because <laughs> I want to figure out Swear how God, the here fuck it comes. you finish a book. It's like oh. I'm, I'm very close, but you all have published oh. how many between the two of you? Uh, oh, between the two about of us? About 12. Yeah, between the two of us. I've published five. And I've five. done about five, I think. So, Do you yeah. enjoy writing? Yes. But it is not what anybody thinks. Right. It is. It is about, and you know this from doing... I do, and I written, don't. You have written... One column at a time, ev- the works of Proust. Do you know what I mean? Like the, it is, and that's how you write a novel. You write it one Piece little bit at a time. At a time. Every day you write a few pages, and if you write a page a day, at the end of the year you have a three hundred and sixty-five page yes novel. That's exactly, and that's the trick to writing: is doing it. Every day, I set the alarm, I get up just like I would at a regular job, I get everything done, and I am at the computer at 9 o'clock, and then I write until... Do either of you have dogs? I have two cats that act like dogs. And I've dated a few, but no, 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 no dogs. Not a bump. No dog, but I'm dumb. I would love to have a Scotty, but they don't allow pets in the building, and I wouldn't do that to a dog. I, We've all dated a few dogs. <laughs> That's our badump dump. There's our badump dump. So, I, what, okay, the, the, the oh, point is distractions. Do you not find yourself? I've got these two very needy dogs, of course, because I spoil them terribly, you know, who constantly seem to need to be walked. I think I'm going to have to put them into doggy daycare or something. Maybe so. Oh, that might Maybe be a good so. plan if they're if they're distracting you from because it is about sitting down and doing you turn it. off the phone. Absolutely. 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 You just have to wall out the rest of the world. Oh, and you know what? We have the rest of the show to talk about this because you're going to be with us for the next hour. Do you go but shopping? now we have to go to. What about our, during the holidays? Our, Don't you want to go <laughs> shopping on your computer? We're going to get to all of this, Ted. You're, you're here for four more hours. We've made you wait three, and you're going to be on the show for four. But now we have our relationship okay, expert, better come Jonelle Sams. Our relationship oh, expert already, is already in already the with studio. the demands. Okay, are you guys going to let Jonelle have her segment or not? Oh, all right. It's, go ahead, Jonelle. Jonelle, come on, Jonelle. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. Hi. 
This is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. This week on Homemade Relationship Advice, in answer to a viewer's letter, I want to talk about timing. Our listener writes... Dear Jonelle, my boyfriend and I have been engaged for over a year and I'm starting to wonder if it's time to give him a little push towards setting the date. We are together all the time and I think that marriage would not only be an expression of how much I love my fiancé, but also a practical solution to maintaining two separate residences and lives in tough economic times. Jonelle, I guess my question for you is, how long should a long engagement last? When is it too long? Thanks for your help. TikTok in Temecula. Ah, youth. Well, TikTok, let me just ask you this. What is your rush? Take my word for it, you are in the salad days. There is only succotash ahead. If you're in a hurry to get married, try this. I recommend you let a homeless person camp in your living room for a couple of weeks. You will be able to enjoy picking up dirty underwear, wet towels, and trash off the floors of your home just like a married woman. And best of all, you can have the sheriff remove the squatter when you get sick of it. My Merle and I have been married for 22 blissful years, and we were engaged for an even more joyous 13. Merle was in no hurry to consummate our relationship, and that was fine with me. Ten minutes of fun once or twice a month is mighty cold company compared to being treated like a fiancé in exchange for never being taken on a date ever again except when you both remember it's your wedding anniversary. You get to cook, clean, manage a household, and never receive a gift when it isn't a holiday or flowers when you're not in the hospital. Now, I love my husband, and I love taking good care of him, so don't get me wrong, I love being married, and Merle works hard and supports me and pays for our lovely home. That's what love is, being willing to sacrifice a bit of your own happiness to care for someone else. So, once you're married, it's more about sacrifice than satisfaction. Honestly, Merle treats his best friend Olsen Lee Pugh more like his fiancée these days. The two of them are always off on some adventure or other. Why, just the other week, they went off on some fishing expedition in Mexico. Now, you know, they didn't catch a thing. Merle didn't even pack anything that he could wear on a fishing boat. The pictures are all moonlit beaches and ancient ruins and candlelit dinners. Their room even had a private pool, but not a fish in sight. It would have been the perfect place for a romantic weekend, but that ship has sailed for Merle and me. It's just a question of timing. So take my word for it, TikTok. Being engaged is about the satisfaction of romance, but being married is about the sacrifice of love. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle Care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Trust me, the only thing you'll find at the altar that you won't find anywhere else are your best friend in a dress she wouldn't be caught dead in and your husband in the mood. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. And now it's time for a new series here on The Dinner Party Show. We call it World's Worst Pitch Meeting. 
In order to defend their personal legacies against the awful films Hollywood puts out every year, some of the top producers in town have lent us exclusive audio recordings of some of the worst pitch meetings they've ever held so that we can learn about the truly terrible movies they didn't make. This first exclusive clip comes to us from a producer at Dragon's Breath Films, producers of the much maligned comedy flop, Let's Eat Grandma. Well, I, I saw your movie and I thought it was great. I, I had no idea she was going to end up picking the nerdy guy. You really got me there. Well, well, you know, she really got to see who he was as a person after making fun of him for so many years. Right? I mean, that's love, isn't it? A love, absolutely. Very uplifting. Yeah. We need that kind of stuff. But today, we're here to talk... Horror! Yes! Scare the crap out of me. Let's do it. Okay, so my agent tells me you guys are looking for the next big horror franchise. So I put something mm -hmm. together, and I just, I just thought I'd throw it out there and see what happens. Okay, well, it's a pitch meeting, so pitch me. All right, here goes. The Kittener. The what? The Kittener. Yeah, I, I heard you. I, I just, I don't know what that what is. What if your kittens could kill you? Oh, Kittener. Okay, so like killer kittens? What, do they eat your face off or no, how's that no, work? No, 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 no. I'm sorry, you're, you're not hearing it. It's actually a lot more sophisticated than that. What am I not hearing? You're just saying this weird word the over Kittner and over again. The is a person. But not what you or I would think of as a person. He's a psychopathic veterinarian suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. He's driven into a rage when he encounters house pets who are being neglected by their owners because it reminds him of the war. What do house pets have to do with the war? What and which it, it, war? It's not about the war. It's about his patients. Kitten patients? All, all kinds of animals. He loves animals. He loves them more than people. <laughs> My wife is like that. Is she a kid? Now? Your wife can go to hell. What? Look, I'm, I'm kind of in it here, if you don't mind. So just uh, let me... Okay, the kittener. Kay. He sees himself as the savior of neglected house pets. But in order to save them, he has to kill their owners. And so he kidnaps their owners, drugs them, locks them in a large sealed room. And when they come to, there's a single kitten in the room with them. And they think, oh, cute, a kitten. How harmless, right? Then there's another kitten in the room, and another, and wait, another. Wait, 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 and wait, 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 where are the kittens coming from? So, so you're going to start asking questions now and not when I'm done? I, I just want to be clear on how you like to work. That's all. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is called a pitch meeting. You are actually pitching to me, the producer. And as of right now, I'm the only one of us who right, works right, at right. this studio. I, I know. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry. I just get real. I just love the process, you know? I, okay, so the kittens... How do they get into the large sealed room? Well, you're right. It should probably be like a Cold War era missile silo, but with no missile, so the kittener can can drop the kittens down into the area where his victim is. Uh, I see. Okay, so he's a psycho vet who targets people who neglect their animals. He drugs them, kidnaps them, drops them into an empty missile silo, and then starts dropping kittens. Yes, see, and that's where it gets really scary, because for like the first 10 to 15 kittens, you're like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. These kittens are so cute, and they just keep on coming. Uh -huh. But then, somewhere around like 25 kittens, the person realizes it's not going to stop. It's never going to stop. No. It's not going to stop until I can't breathe, because there are so many fucking kittens in here. I see. The kittener. Cute can kill. I know, I know, taglines aren't my job, but I just, I, I can see the poster, you know? Okay, and the kittens? I'm not following you. If the kittener drops so many kittens down into the missile silo that the person suffocates, where are all the kittens 
Are, aren't they going to suffocate, this too? This is not a movie about the kittens, man. This is not actually a movie at all at this point. So if you wouldn't mind walking through this with me a little bit further, okay. I, hey, I'd hey, appreciate hey. it. If you want the kittens to die, I, I mean, from an audience standpoint, I think it's a little risky. Brave, even. But I don't I, want the kittens to do anything. I'm asking you to clarify the logic of your concept. Oh, hi, hi. No, it's a high concept movie for sure. Logic. I need to hear the logic of your concept. Well, if you push a character far enough, anything they do is logical. Okay, uh, let me just see if I can save this here. Your killer is some kind of animal rights advocate, and he's going to kill hundreds of thousands of kittens just to suffocate no, like a no, few people. I totally think you could suffocate someone with like a hundred kittens at the most. You know what you should do is have someone here in your office do some research into how many kittens okay, it would actually take. Okay, that's not going to happen, dude. Reality check, all right? Jesus Christ, you want me to go out and start killing kittens just so I can find out how many it would take to suffocate someone for some stupid horror movie? It's not about the number, okay? It's that your idea about an animal rights freak who does nothing but kill cute little kittens for an entire it's movie. It's the moral, okay? If you fight fire with fire, everyone loses an eye. Don't you get it? Get out of my office. Seriously? Seriously, get out. The kitten Out! Cute can kill. Bye now. Yeah, Cheryl, put some feelers out. See if any of our writers have got a killer kitten script. I think it's going to be a big thing this year, you know, like the new vampires. Okay. Okay. We're back. Are we back? I think Are we we're live back. on the air? Are we back? Is the dinner party show back in action? We did have some people. Yeah, complain. back and still no food. We had a, a service interruption earlier. Um, we hope if you're still listening to us that you will reboot uh, or re if you can't hear this, there's no point in, in, in it, me saying this. But if you listen to the podcast you, later, you'll know we were thinking about you. For all of you who can't hear the show, absolutely. Right but now, that's what like happens if there's you. a brief interruption. You you reboot the player and you will hear us again, and, unless we've had a full system meltdown. Mark, but some delicious. Beef Wellington came in in the meantime. Still going to beat on that, are you? scrumptious. Absolutely. It's so oh, good. God. So is your book we actually, you wouldn't be able to tell, but we had a new guest join us in the studio, Mark Andreco. <laughs> well, Welcome that's to the really show. scrumptious. Thank you, thank you, thank Welcome you. Welcome to the show. <laughs> we have to use these. We've got them all. That's fine. You are a huge figure. You're, you're a huge force in the world of graphic novels. Is that correct? Sure. Just let me say it. Just sure. Is the world of graphic novels huge enough for a huge it, force? Uh, hey, man, it's every movie that's made over $100 million has right? been based was, on a graphic, was a graphic novel. novel. That's Absolutely. the truth. God knows. And my, my friend who created The Walking Dead would have something to say about being huge force. Do the huh? books sell as well as the movies and the television shows? Um, not in all cases. Uh, things like The Walking Dead sell millions of copies. I think they've broken into the millions um, zombies. Barricade <laughs> zombies. We're going to do a sketch on just zombies. We're, we'll bring you guys back to defend zombies. Please go on. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't necessarily a defender of zombies. I was just putting out that, that, that there's a they, fact. But they sold mm -hmm. millions. But who, yeah. is, who, who has written something that was blew up huge as a movie or a TV series that was only a moderate success as a, as a book? Let's promote the book. Well, I mean, uh, things like Sin City, the Frank Miller book oh, God, that was I made into a movie. Um, success in, in mainstream comics is not like success in movies or even best-selling novels. You don't have to sell. The market has shrunk. It's much more specific. Uh, best-selling comics sell upwards of maybe 100,000 copies a month. And then when they're collected and sold in bookstores, the bookstore market at Amazon has made collections sell very well. Like uh, The Watchmen uh, that was made into a movie a few years back. 
has sold three million copies the year the movie came out, and wow. has been and has been continuously in print for twenty six years. Oh my god! So yeah, so and you know in this in this age of making something that already is an existing intellectual property, comic books are rife for that, especially when there has yet to be a big superhero movie bomb since the boom has started. Yeah, and if you can get somebody to spend two hundred million dollars making boom. a commercial for your book yeah. and putting it in and, theaters and all it's, over why, the it's why it's why yeah. it's why Warner Brothers has DC Comics and Disney bought Marvel. The licensing, but know. hasn't there? Bit uh, pre Avengers, there was a bit of a flattening, right? Like Thor performed slightly under, and Ted, you can chime in on this too. Like there was, a, but then they were all commercials for the Avengers, as Eric yes, pointed out. Yes, Thor and Captain America didn't do huge numbers in the United right. States, but they made enough money. They were in the 160 million range. <laughs> they made 400 million worldwide, so they led up to Which the Avengers. So Marvel's Marvel's strategy with that was a huge risk, making movies that are building up to a movie, making this this shared universe right. as tight as it is in the movies but it worked i mean there does seem to be something bulletproof about the formula because you take toby Maguire, who i think was very lackluster as spider-man as opposed to andrew garfield he'd make a great katie lang (laughs) (laughs) but look it's it's you could put anybody into that katie lang and it'll still make millions (laughs) but you do you you think the formula is bulletproof ted I do, saying, actually. Yeah. I think right. Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. I actually thought Dunst was better than Maguire. Um, but if I think they they're a good example it, of how could. you can put anything into it, yeah. mm-hmm. and it'll be successful. And now, thanks to things like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight and you know things like the oh, other comic book movies God. like... Um, what did you Nolan. think of Dark Knight? I loved The Dark Knight Rises. Um, I know people, in the comic book world, people have issues because it doesn't follow necessarily the continuity of the comic books. But in if you, I went back and watched all three of them recently because they, The Dark Knight Rises just right. came out on home video. And... It's an immense. It's an immense work, and the fact that you know the, the thing that was great about what Chris Nolan did, especially with the Heath Ledger with the Dark Knight, was it was kind of for comic book movies what the Godfather was for gangster movies. Before the Godfather, the gangster movie was a, just a B film. It yeah, had no respect. Interesting observation. And the Godfather true. took a genre that was considered pulpy, and the Godfather is a fantastic movie that just happens to be about gangsters. And the Dark Knight. If you take off Batman's costume and make him a SWAT officer, it's a great crime movie, and mm-hmm. it just happens to be about a guy who puts on a bat suit. And how come you got ten thousand chances to get out of that cave? It's like you know, did you notice that over and over and over? He keeps like you know, aren't you supposed to die if you fail? Isn't that what happened to the other people? But sure. no, he keeps coming out. Well, and coming the movie out would and have been out. a little brief and kind of disappointing. My argument, I didn't my, like it. My <laughs> argument with that is there are certain. I loved Anne Hathaway, but I thought. Uh, Heath Ledger. But there are suspensions of so disbelief. You know, it, it's like you know, if, if Peter Parker's story was true, if he got bitten by a radioactive spider, <laughs> three weeks later he'd have bone cancer. Right. You know, least. he wouldn't get superpowers. So I, th- some of the but things. But millions are going into this. Write something that explains why he gets so many more chances than all of the other well, plebeians he, who don't get. In Chris Nolan's defense, appara- apparently there's another hour of footage he shot that didn't wow. make it into the movie because the movie was only as long as it was because that's the maximum length it could be in an IMAX theater because wow. of the platters the whole film. And also the original plan was to have more movies prior to Heath Ledger passing away the way he did. It wasn't to do three, it was to do four, right? Um, I don't know about that. I don't that's know about what that. I had heard, um, but we will be back shortly. We have a word from one of our sponsors. We, Ted Casablanca and Mark Andreka will be with us for the remainder of the dinner party. We have locked the door and we're not letting them leave and we have not brought them beef wellington so lots of opinions but not much food but here's a word from a new sponsor are you running a little low on funds need to raise some extra cash for a vacation the holidays or a ridiculous pair of shoes well all that glitters gold services could be the answer to your cash flow problems (laughs) 
with trustworthy celebrities like Glenn Beck recommending that you buy and sell gold on the radio, why not trust us to relieve you of your gold and take care of that cash flow problem permanently? All you have to do is call us at 1-800-IN-THE-BAG and we'll rush official ATG gold pouches to your home. Just fill these convenient pre-measured bags with your gold and jewelry and mail them to us at our official P.O. Box in the handy pre-addressed envelopes provided. We'll weigh your gold and get your check delivered to you by an official U.S. Postal Representative. Need money even faster? Just include your banking account information and we'll arrange direct deposit of all your funds through the glamorous Cayman Island National Bank. And, if you prefer, our discreet masked representatives can come to your home with their own bags to relieve you of all your valuables. Why, you don't even have to be there. Just send us a key and a time when you won't be home and we'll take care of everything. At All That Glitters Gold Services, our motto is a fool and his gold are soon parted. So don't be a fool, call us and we'll get all that pesky gold off your hands and from around your neck before you even know what's happened. All That Glitters Gold Services, we've been helping with financial problems since the price of gold went through the roof and the Republicans destroyed public education. All That Glitters Gold Services, put your valuables in the bag and no one gets hurt. Okay, guys, we're still doing the show. We're still doing the show. The dinner party goes on. We're talking. No, save it for the show or I will tell that Oprah story again. Oh, my Um, God, don't tell that Oprah story again. She painted my mic to match her dress. Stop telling that story. She painted my mic to match her dress. Let's have the Jeremy Renner story. I don't have any Jeremy Renner stories. No, no, I'll tell you what we're going to talk about is we started to talk about what your new book was going to be about, and we didn't talk about it. And then we started talking about dogs. And then Missy structured you know times 2 over here tells me oh mm-hmm. it's all my fault that i'm i'm not adhering to the proper schedule you guys realize we didn't talk about any of this live. Was that me? oh the schedule oh i thought you were talking about, about the, my book. your issue yeah. with the door yeah there again, again. Yeah. yeah we had to if we don't i'm air, doing everything wrong i hit the table i you know you say i didn't talk about if, something i did talk about it what see is with you what happens with eric Quinn when we don't air the sketches he wrote oh this is what <laughs> this is what happens when bruce doesn't get beef wellington ted yeah bruce ted whoever i, I, I want to know why mark ted. hates george michael is oh, what i want to know cuz that's what happens all the, the be- all the best stuff. What's this evil stuff about George Nobody Michael? Nobody hates oh, George Michael. I don't hate George Michael. George Michael's I just wondered, a great guy. I'm sure he is. I just wondered how long he was going to be with us. Because every time I hear about him, he's yeah. got pneumonia or he's in, he's got TB or he's getting arrested. Or it's usually well, some say your sort prayer. Of, so have have, some, have a heart stuff. for him. You know, wish him well. You know, George Michael could have pulled a Clinton when he was caught in that bathroom. And you know what? He fessed up. And... Yeah. Good for him. More people should. <laughs> when they Be get caught, caught in Absolutely. bathrooms? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, what 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 was... Clinton got caught in a bathroom? I'm so confused. Oval What's going office, on? bathroom, what's well, the difference? I did not have Apparently not sexual not relations with that woman. Okay, I think that the point of this segment is Bruce's... Uh, Ted, excuse me, does not want to talk about his book. Because I, every time we bring it up, we get batted to some far corner of the room so, with some we'll no, jimmed-up sense of I'd outrage about, about something. I'd holiday movies, because I'm very excited about a couple. Well, That's what okay. I like. Oh, well, right. let's hear. I thought let's Anna Karenina was so good. I thought Kira Knightley had it nailed right on. 
Does and it take place in a theater? Like yes, the- it's very cleverly done. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is fantastic. He was in Savages. Uh-huh. He's going to be so hot. Do you I love know him. Who he is? He's from Kick Ass. He's I also he also married a forty four year old woman when he was nineteen. That's right. Hot. And they he's have two awesome. kids. He's That's very hot. hot. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's great. Hot. And I, I I differ with Ted a little on Anna Karenina. Watch out because we saw how that goes. I know. I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> we'll just bring up George Michael again. I know, right? Um, uh, <laughs> but I thought Karenina is beautiful. It is staged. They do it in a theater, and it's the, one of the most exquisitely choreographed but movies. Which Mark? Don't you think? For a movie that's been done and done oh, and done, absolutely, it was quite. Em- but in a tell me what in a theater means because you I hear limited. I hear no, you were always no, on the proscenium with them. That's not true at all. Okay, you think oh Anna Karenina, they're going to just blow it up and do it very grandly, and they don't. Don't. It's very small and intimate, which is right. why it was such a smart move. And they let the actors have the performances that take you out and make it a larger, I think, um, difference. From the prior performances, I think oh, Kira yeah, Knightley absolutely. was very good at being tragic. You think, oh, mm, you know, she's always getting the guy. She can't do tragedy, and she did it so well and so darkly. And I Jude Law is fantastic, and he's Law actually embracing. He's embracing Law. his hair loss and becoming a, a middle-aged man. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's actually realized that no one wants to see him as a leading man, and he's great in this movie. He's just the, the broken-down husband his, of her. His performance, his work in uh, Sherlock Holmes has been really sort of like a whole new Jude Law. He is creating a new career for himself. Right? Embracing his I saw loss, Jude Law naked on Broadway. So did was, I. The play was in discretion. Yes. Absolutely. And he gets out of a bathtub stark naked, and there was maybe a seven-year-old girl sitting on the second row, and her mother went insane. Not really. It's just it's a better story. Her mother went... Yeah, put her hands to her head. That was an amazing cast. It was Cynthia Nixon was in there. Yes, and, Kathleen, and Turner. Kathleen Turner. Yeah, yeah. and that exactly. set I don't was remember insane. anything about what the play was about. I just remember it's, Jude Law's giant wanger. It's incest. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it Excellent. was it was pop. It was such a big hit. And what was it? Talented Mr. Ripley, the getting out of the bathtub thing that they, they put to, it on stage. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's crazy. Although I love this that. show actually predated that movie, yeah. so maybe it's where they got the idea for, for the that talented scene. Mr. Ripley. Yeah. Okay, no wangers well. in Anna Karenina. Sorry, uh, Chris. Wanger free yeah. holiday movie season. All right. Well, we but have I another absolutely... installment of our series audiobook bestsellers, and we will be back as soon as that's over with Mark and Draco best of for and Ted. We might be here. I don't might know. be uh, Ted might leave. I don't yeah. know. He sort of had it. Yeah. And now, in keeping with the dinner party show's tradition of celebrating literacy and the written word, we bring you an excerpt from one of this week's best-selling audiobooks. The Sweetie Pie, Chicken Fried, Traveling Clodhoppers, Jen Ricky Society of the Sisterhood's Wingding by Jeanette Lachance Merleton, former beauty queen and current wife of the man who runs her publishing company. My girlfriend, Petunia LaFleur, has an expression about marriage that I always repeat to my eldest daughter when she tries to get me to stop drinking in the morning. Petunia likes to say, if you're married to it, you best try to kill it with something bigger than a stick. And Petunia knows that of which she speaks. The four times she tried to kill her husband, she used, in sequence, a gardening hoe, hedge clippers, fireworks, and the family dog, Vidalia. 
And if you're starting to think Petunia might not be the type of person a nice southern belle like me should be spending her lunches with, allow me to point out that the four times she tried to kill her husband, it's because each time she caught him cheating on her with, in sequence, their housekeeper, her cousin, a Girl Scout, and a nun. As they say, times are still tough for rich old white ladies in the South who married for money. At least we have our typewriters, our gin, and our uppity daughters who all moved north to get them some East Coast education so they can come home for as long as it takes to write a condescending novel about what rageful, desperate relics we all are. Petunia hasn't gone to jail for all those times she tried to kill her husband, of course. Otherwise, she wouldn't be my best friend. She comes over every morning around 9 a.m. so we can discuss the Today Show and have some wine. Then around noon, we go out to lunch so we can talk about how good the wine was while we have some jeans. Then, come afternoon, it's time for an adventure. We'll either go out for a spin through the cane fields in her convertible and talk about our awful marriages for five or six chapters, or we'll dress in funny period costumes and head to the grocery store to get our eccentric on. Sometimes, we'll run across an old black lady who will teach us something magical about ourselves before she goes back to her side of town. Other times, we'll just meet supporting characters like our smart-talking sidekick, Mammy Devro, who runs the wedding dress shop, which is ironic because she's never been married, and our mysterious friend, Lana Vertrovian, a delicate damaged beauty with many dark secrets and mantillas. Together, we make up the Sweetie Pie Chicken Fried Traveling Clodhoppers Gin Ricky Society of the Sisterhood Wing Ding. We have no idea what this means. It's just every word that came into our heads one day after we polished off a case of white Zinfandel. Doesn't it sound fun? Well, it should, because we're fun, too. Come on, y'all, turn the page and let's have lunch. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. (laughs) And now it's time for dessert, <laughs> brought to you by your sister's new husband, who's had <laughs> way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Like I always say, this is a show about how we learn to do a radio. Oh, are we back? Girl. Is oh, it real? We're back. Time? No, we're really back this we time. We really are. Okay. We really Ted, are. were you in the control room earlier? You've been the most prankish, devilment-oriented guest we've had yet. I think you've been screwing with our computer system behind our backs. I just want to get the server to take his shirt off is all I want. Oh, you know, right. There's the beef that's, Wellington that you're looking that's the for. Beef you want us to hire by the beef stripper slash server. More than that, Wellington. I want to know if Mark agrees with me that Argo was one of the most shockingly good films of the year. I could not believe Ben Affleck pulled that off. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You were not a fan of The Town or the the other one, so, so. Gone Baby Gone? So, um, so. I loved Gone Baby Gone. I thought Gone Baby Gone was a better I, I, adaptation. I don't of, agree. I thought it was better than Mystic River as far as adaptations of Dennis Lee Haynes. Mystic River Mystic was River. Two, out, two and a half hours hated. of nothing. You hated or, Mystic River? I didn't yeah. hear this. The ending of Mystic oh, you hated River the was the stupidest thing I have yeah. ever seen on film in my life. What did you I, think of Argo? 
I have not seen Argo. It's, it's fantastic. I've seen it's Argo. It's a great ride. It's fantastic, and he is he is such for a third for a third movie. He is such a confident director. You really, I agree. You really just sit there and, be, and get taken on this journey, and yeah. for a movie where you know the ending, yeah, that's what it I was keep so it's exciting. Still suspenseful. So exciting. They're, know what happened. they're aliens, right? Yeah, is that the end. Yeah. I saw the movie. It's very <laughs> challenging. It's one of the reasons I really want to see Zero Dark Thirty because espionage is unless you're dealing with an actual raid people or the actual talking. escape. It's people talking it's Ugh. meetings it's phone calls blah, and i blah, think blah. he did an okay job of, of adding some suspense to it but i i don't think i think it's like he's, he's one of those directors where he's like he's almost there like he's almost brilliant but there's a well it's there, the almost that you're feeling the fact that he really did not play up how complicit america was with the shaw that i would yeah. like to have seen more strongly put out yeah. there I, I, it was yeah. a little too neat i agree to a point but i think that because this movie was specifically about rescuing those seven embassy workers that it would have been it might have thrown the movie off if it became more political i think the movie but, for me what made the people that i saw it with who are young enough to not know what the hostage crisis right. was um how desperate it, it is made that? that it made them want to investigate more and learn more about Good. that. And I thought that that was you know. A... But their extreme anger, I oh. think, should have been explained. Yeah, more. I would agree with that. I agree. As a, as it is, they came off as a bit goonish. Like yeah, they were the, all... they're being that way just because oh they're irritated. Well, maybe yeah, show kind of, why they they were are kind of like so Indians irritated. in an old western. Exactly. They were just bad guys. Have, have bit either of, a of you seen this uh, Oliver Oliver Stone? Untold history of the United States that they're running on. Is it HBO? Uh, like, Showtime. It's Showtime. fantastic. It is not. It is not the sort of JFK paranoia. It's actually a very measured. It, it, I, right? I'm shocked by how level-headed it is, and it's spectacular. With it being him, it is. But, yeah. it, I, but the reason I thought of it was he really does tease that he really does talk to what happened in Iran and why they really were so incredibly well, and, you know, the thing, ticked off. Yes, they had very good reason. Yeah. yeah. America was helping screw them over. And Stone, speaking of Oliver Stone, The Sa Savages was so good this year. I was very d delightfully surprised Ooh. by that. Did Does, you like it, Mark? I didn't see it, but I want to see it because oh, I hear Blake I, Lively gets beaten up in it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, you go into that wanting the, to the hate George her. Michael. Does that she does such a good job. Yeah, you're being kind of bitchy, Blake Lively, George Michael. <laughs> that's the, that's the pot calling the kettle of pot. So. Yeah. And I, Les Mis I, is I, an interesting film. I have not seen Les Mis. I was not a fan of Savages. I, I thought Savages really? was rudderless. I just thought it was a mess, yeah. Oh, come I, on. Was, it's like stoners. This is this I is Oliver care. Stone's dream project, and he did it very well. Good for well. him. I was left oh, out. I don't you like didn't movies like about Salma stoners. Salma Hayek as a Mexican Look, mommy here's dearest. Here's the problem. She stoners are, make for boring drug addict movies. Cokeheads make for butt much better drug addict Well, movies. that's what you have Salma Hayek for. Well, she was doing she was Faye Dunaway. She was doing she was Mommy actually, Dearest. She was Salma great. Hayek I actually loved. The rest of the movie, eh, not as much. But she was really amazing. I, I'll tell you, one of the things that the movie did that really ticked me off, if you're going to put three people in a love affair together, let them all three be in love with each other. But weren't they brothers? No. No, oh. no they weren't brothers. Because I think I've rented that movie. I've rented that movie. I yeah. thought it was nicely done. We got to it see just right. enough. It was and... all right. But there was a... The, the, their their uh, camaraderie, I think, would have been more interesting to me if they had explored okay. that well, relationship a bit more. Nudity then, you know, erotica, let's do James Bond. I was so disappointed by the last one. I thought oh, it was really? tepid, and I thought... Skyfall? If, if they do another AARP joke, I'm just going to lose <sighs> it. And it was just all about James Bond being ancient. He's not ancient. He's hot. 
Yeah, I, I he's still a very hot. vibrant I man. Really I thought he was hot. Hey, I, I thought I thought really it was made for me in that in that epic final sequence. I thought that was so. I'm looking for the right the word for was, it. It was just so well. The cinematography, beautiful and brilliant. The whole movie was just beautiful. What yeah. about um, what about the villain? What about uh, Bardem? I thought he was uh, the Javier best. Javier Bardem was Bond very villain. good. What was ever. what was great about the whole Bardem thing is when he said to James Bond when he rubbed James Bond's thighs and says, "Are you ready for your first time?" And James Bond said, "What makes you think it's my first? Right? Because in even in the Ian Thank Fleming. God for that line. Otherwise, I would have been asleep. Well, but even in the Ian Fleming <laughs> novels, it's implied that you know if he can if he can kill anyone on a whim, he's going to let himself. He's going to let somebody. Is suck it his really dick. implied in the Ian Fleming novels? It's, I didn't know that. It's, it's very subtly implied, right. but it's implied that he will do whatever he has to. My Chris, I completely Sophia disagree says it's with based you. Based on Noel, it, it turned into Harry Potter at the end. It Harry was, it became, Potter. Yes, it became a different movie about his Well, I think what you're suddenly... reacting to is that it was a personal James Bond yeah. film, which we're not, they're not in the habit of making. Yeah. That's not. And what's with offing Judy Dench and replacing her it's with Ray Fiennes? I, what's that about? There's a, the reason I, Why not bring in a hot young guy or chick then? She's, you know? gonna, she's retiring because she's going blind. In real life, yeah. in real life, yeah. I mean, that. But there's something to be said for the choice of replacing Why her with Ray somebody Fiennes? who's another, uh, the sort of old school M, yeah. you know, as opposed to say a young black woman. Or I think a, I think know. Monique would have been fabulous. I She's already she got the M in her name. <laughs> so. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Would definitely have been unexpected. <laughs> Monique with a British accent. Yeah, she, I like she it. She can drop a TV on someone. Absolutely. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> Oh, you didn't, James Bond. Any oh. other holiday recommends? You're, are you oh, recommending? Well, wait a minute, you guys or? are doing your best of 2012. I, it's years in. Is, so so. I, it's got such talent in it. Russell Crowe was fabulous. He's really? so good. That's never surprisingly been said good. Very very good. But Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman, they're so beautiful, and there's just like shot after shot after shot of their tonsils. It's like mm. they have beautiful faces, and there's like the whole movie. Is sung. I take it like the show. Right. I did not the see the show. The show is entirely recitative and, you want, okay, and songs. Okay, it's filming. Yeah. It's being transferred to a different medium. Could I have a moment of quiet, a moment of peace, a, a moment of contemplation? Never, ever mm -hmm. comes. You, it, know, you get, and you're literally looking at everyone's tonsils the whole movie. You know what's interesting about this movie is that they're not lip syncing, which I think they're the first movie musical yeah. in years not to lip sync. They had an earpiece in for every scene, and there was a pianist off to the side accompanying them. And allegedly, Anne Hathaway did I Dreamed a Dream in one take. I don't believe that. I don't I don't believe it either, but that's the story that my editor told me. Her publicist well, she's, is doing she, a great job. Well, uh, I don't want to ruin it, but I guess most people know her demise comes so quickly. It's yeah. like you, you, you just you blink and she's gone. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah and the, in the, the same in the Broadway. But she'll show. get us, you know, she'll get a supporting nomination. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's one of those. And what's up with the heat this year? The the nominations seem to be more about the guys and lead acting. It's all with Daniel Day Lewis, Anthony Hopkins. I, oh, I'm Anthony hearing... Hopkins Hitchcock was god awful. I do not agree. Oh really? my god! But that would have been shocking if we oh. agreed. Anthony Hopkins sounds yeah. like he's doing a Michael Caine impression. <laughs> Through the whole movie, <laughs> the movie's not about the making of Psycho. It's got these ridiculous scenes where Alfred Hitchcock's talking to the ghost of Ed Gein. I agree; those oh. were quite. Oh. And silly. Danny Houston has proven that nepotism is bad. But he, didn't you like Tony Collette? She, she was, was awesome. fine, but she, she was just was a secretary. She didn't have anything to do. You have all these. Great no, that people. secretary was a pivotal uh, role in Hitchcock's movies. And in real life, yeah, yes. absolutely. But the movie, the movie, if I'd I seen liked it, him, I just didn't like Helen Mirren. If I had seen the movie on Hawkins Lifetime, I would have thought, fine, this is a great Lifetime Daniel movie. Daniel Day-Lewis was so good in Lincoln. He that's was his fantastic. best performance. I find him a little... He'll probably win. He will win. I find him a little methody sometimes. <laughs> you can see him act. 
<laughs> it used to be the dinner party show with Christopher Rice and Eric Chuck. We're not complaining. We've Did you worked want to really, say something? No, we've worked really hard over the past three weeks. And I said, we'll bring them on Did you and see we will let them just go Hudson? to it. I, I, I walked really, out of it. I was disappointed. You yeah. walked out of it? Yeah. Really? Wow. wow, that's harsh. And what I love happened? the Brits. Anything with the Brits. Downton Abbey, hugely into. But it was so like, oh, well, Laura Lenny is doing another, you know, mousy I'm sorry, gal. Brits, that's not... It's not a show about no. British it's about people. the king. It's about it's King about George. The, oh, king George, visit. Queen Elizabeth oh, coming okay. to visit right. FDR, right. Was, who's having an affair with right. this with, mousy with the, cousin. With his cousin, yeah, and and Laura Bill, Lenny. Bill Murray can claim he doesn't want an Oscar, but this performance was in the twenty minutes. He I was saw. good. He was fine. It was like watching was the good. Hall of the Presidents. But Laura Lenny, don't you want to? <laughs> don't you want to see Laura Lenny like the Imagineers bring you woman with Hyde Park vibrant sexuality or something different? Well, I, I want to see the I want to see the Laura Lenny that I saw in the Tales of the City movies, where she was where she wasn't or in so, Kenzie, or, where she's or got Kenzie. a fire oh, inside God. of her. Kenzie was astounding. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? But the the film. best movie I've seen this year because you know she has it in her. Yeah. Oh, she's but a fantastic never get to see actress, it. but she always plays that type. But the best movie um, is this French movie by Michael Haneke called Amour that is what is this it's about um, I'm not a big fan of Henneke's other movies he did uh, funny games he does these very sadistic he did a movie called Cachet about a stalker but this movie's about uh, an old couple in their 70s retired in uh, in Paris and the, the the wife starts having strokes and goes downhill, and it's all about him taking care of her. But it's not a downer. It's actually a really lovely movie about what love is. And the woman who plays the lead, Emmanuel Riva is her name, she came out of retirement to do this movie, and it is one of the best performances I've ever it seen. It made two of the best of lists I was looking at earlier today. The New York Times, I believe, listed it, A.O. Scott, and also the Atlantic Monthly. It, it, it's fantastic. I don't. You, I have these lists in front of me from them. I don't agree with most of the picks on that yeah, list. Yeah, like, but, what uh, is the master? doing on it should these be, lists? It should be called The Master Bader. <laughs> really? The Master, that's it. a movie I wanted to walk out of. Really. It's, it's, Could we have one explanation of maybe how Scientology with, came to be and how it Thomas captivated Anderson, so many people? I love it or I just hate it. Like, there there yeah. doesn't seem to be any halfway with him. I've only... Does Magnolia is one of my very adore. favorite See, films. See, I hated Magnolia. Thank you. Oh, Magnolia, to me, feels like they took three Joan Van Ark Lifetime movies and put them in a blender. Oh, he was like, don't ask me to care. Boogie Nights is spectacular, though. Boogie Nights Boogie Nights ages so beautifully. You can revisit that movie. And okay, what about the best show on TV, Scandal? Is Are anyone else enjoying me? it as much as I am? No. Scandal? I, no, where I she's sleeping not. with the president? I love it. Oh, oh my God. God. The final scene Carrie of that Washington pilot is, was one of the most preposterous things I had ever seen. That tearful scene between her and the president in the Oval Office. So, Give me a break. I couldn't take so it. So you want to see a show about the Obamas who are actually faithful to each other. I no, mean, I want to see a show about, like, like, say, crank. the West Wing that's, like, you know, about actual policy in, I in see, the White House. I want to see a show that Chandra Rhymes isn't involved with. <laughs> oh, what, what's your problem? Oh, what's your beef here? Oh, Are they uh, oh, friends sure. with George Michael? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's actually his godmother. Um, no, those those Grey's Anatomy and private black practices, chick, you know, like ruling oh, the TV that you have a problem. It has with. Please do not oh, play please. that card in this room, girl. I just did. <laughs> oh, come on! And I don't have my beef that, Wellington. That if I had my most, beef Wellington, she writes. That's the most. That's actually more reductive in fantasy. Yeah. She writes, that scene with the president, oh, the, the president's on. priority in leading the country would be managing the emotions of this high-strung woman in his Oval Office. That was so ridiculous and self-serving. It was ridiculous. It has nothing to do with race at all. I think it's fabulous fact, fantasy. D- d- I've been demographically, it's a great soap opera. I have been demographically well, What Does everything have to be real, Chris? <laughs> no. 
It doesn't. Everything does Jesus. not have to be real. But everything has to have a sort of patina of plausibility to it. And I'm, and tar- I, I'm tired of white guys r- ruling everything. I'm done. I have been demographically targeted as a black woman. Apparently, catalog uh, makers believe that I am a black woman. They sent me this thing. It's called <laughs> Ashro. So the race car does not work here. I am actually a black woman, apparently. I have received I Ashro get, magazine. I get um, sort of Santa Fe chic Native American art fashion catalogs and for I reasons that I have no uh, idea. Thing, uh, magazines where you can buy black woman wigs. Where you can buy wigs for black women. There's not a picture of a man or a white person in this whole magazine. So, so whatever Mark, I have bought, Mark, I have become George, a black George woman. George Michael Hater, explain to me why it's reductive for me to enjoy very much seeing I think an that, African-American woman headline a series. I would have no problem. I'm, I have no, I'm so well, sick of series like Friends, six white people okay, in New York, okay, you know, well, ruling the airways forever. So finally, someone of color... What's the problem with I that? I have no problem with Kerry Washington. I wasn't talking she's about fantastic. her. I don't think that yeah, Chandra Rhyme should be given a pass as being a talent because she's a black woman. I don't begrudge her her success. I just think she's a hack producer. I just find and what about I, Kerry's work? I think Kerry, I think Kerry Washington's a fantastic actress. I'm thrilled don't that she's... Don't you think she's doing a good job in Scandal? Well, she's making uh, a polyester a purse situation. out of a sow's ear. It's you know that that it's just the show's not overwrought enough to be enjoyable for me, and it takes itself way too seriously. She thinks she, what well, she thinks she's making the West Wing, and she I don't oh, know I what she's making. I think it's wonderfully overwrought, and it's overdramatized, and it's great fun. It's very unreal. That's why I enjoy it. And I'm just you know Claire Danes is fabulous in Homeland, but it's like oh it's, my it's so god, real. now there's a show Lord. I hate, girl. Uh, but it's like I Homeland. Enjoy Jesus. seeing. I don't know. Well, I, just, I can't wait till you hear my favorite show. There are too many straight people. Wait, what is your favorite show on television, Mark? Uh, there are too many white people on TV. Parenthood is your Parenthood. Okay. okay. I think Parenthood is the. Well, is, that is a. It's completely a, unexpected. It's an amazing ensemble. It's if, if Robert Altman was directing TV, this would be the show he directs. Everyone's fantastic on it. It's a show that everybody should be watching. It's shockingly good that it's on NBC. Wow. Yeah. I could, would okay. not have I have ex- never I seen an episode, so I, can't, I cannot attest I, to that. I have. I gave up. I couldn't take it anymore. Wow. Well, there you go. Parenthood. Well, that was the unexpected Parenthood. dark horse. Huh. Yep. So okay. is Scandal right. your favorite show on television, or do you have a, a, other favorites or other recommendations for TV? Well, I enjoy seeing powerful women in many roles, like Veep and Girls, but apparently if I talk about the female card, that'll be reductive, too. And George Michael Hayter over here, I don't think, wants me going down that road. Well, I so hate both of those shows, too. There. So what about Boardwalk How Empire? about making the case for people <laughs> as talented? I don't know. You know, like, despite, like, what they look like and who they are. Like, maybe somebody should be a good writer. Or somebody I'm sorry. should write stuff when that's I relevant When I look at Terry Washington and I see that it's a vibrant black woman headlining a show, I love it. And I am not yeah. going to pretend that there have not been piles and piles and piles and piles of white women coming before her. And it is so nice seeing yeah, sure. Sure, absolutely. a woman of color. I love it. That is nice. It's, I think that's great. It's, it's nice like seeing a president, president Obama of color. Absolutely. In office. It's Absolutely. So nice. I'm so tired of the white recipe for life that America, more so than <laughs> most other countries, were so provincial. You know, it's basically white, straight, and... But you so know, the Republicans but, still rule. But, but let me ask or you a question. Do you believe yeah. that? Do you believe this is an honest question? Shonda Rhimes, am I saying it correctly? I think so. Yeah. Do you think she is bringing an actual perspective to her work which was not there previously? Do you Absolutely. think she's bringing There's a no black woman's perspective? 
Yeah, she was doing this, and she's been doing it, I think, well for mm-hmm. many years. Okay. And I see how Mark finds it. I can see how, you know, it upsets people. It is absolutely unreal. Yes. But that's the soap opera element that I yeah. enjoy. I don't, I don't have an issue with I like the soap opera element of things. I think you can, I think there are. Oh, then why is it that it I just, you? I just think that her tone is so schizophrenic on those things. She wants to have it both ways in her Do you think she's sanctimonious? Um, I think sometimes she is. But I think that sometimes you have these crazy, over-the-top dynasty storylines, which can be fantastic. And then you get gritty realism, and it just feels, it's, it's totally a whiplash for me mm-hmm. watching her stuff. I, I wish she would pick a voice and stick with it. Instead of trying to play both sides of the fence, and the notion that that right. many pretty people are in Washington is absurd. I'll right. give you that. Absolutely, <laughs> gentlemen, it has been lovely no. having you both here. Yes, oh, we are. We are over? coming to the it's end really of our we show. Are. We're going to ask you, back. and I'm so full. If I'm you, just. I'm just stuck. Thank you for all these courses. It's delicious. <laughs> we know delicious we're going to lose you, but we want to snap a picture with you both in the lobby once we once we wrap up. But thank you very much, Mark Andreco and Ted Gazzaniga for being here. For our most Show. an exciting uh, dinner party show yet. Right. I started my vacation early. Absolutely. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I kicked back. Best of luck. And so Thank now we, so uh, much. we have another installment of our public service uh, series, Best Served Warm. And we'll be back to say goodnight. And now it's time for Best Served Warm, part of the dinner party show's commitment to public service and community enrichment. Here's travel expert Tanya Lee Musgrave. I'm Tanya Lee Musgrave, and this is Best Served Warm. As you may well know, I do travel a lot, and that means I brush up against other cultures all the time, sometimes without having had my shots. Now remember, there are a lot of strange diseases floating around out there, and reading about them in the weekly world news isn't enough. So if you don't want to lose all the flesh on your toes to that strange Moroccan virus that may actually be from the aliens, or if you don't want to have your brain eaten by Brazilian whippoorwill disease, you need to have your shots. So remember now, if you're going outside, you best get stuck a whole bunch. I'm Tanya Lee Musgrave, and this is Best Served Warm. Well, well, we got our show back finally. What a great wow. evening. This they has were. been a terrific dinner party. This has been a very opinionated year-end roundup of entertainment highlights and headlines. This is exactly I think what we were hoping for with these two Absolutely. guests. Absolutely. This is I'm not a bit surprised. You get good guests on and then you just let them take off. Absolutely. And you give them cookies even. Did they eat any cookies? I hope so. Absolutely. I bake those myself. Oh my lord! Well, this has been quite a year, Eric Shaw Quinn. I think been we should. An excellent year. It's not over yet. It's not over. We've we got have... a very Christmas, very special, very dinner party show, Christmas special coming up next Sunday. Absolutely, and we have a New Year's special following the Sunday after that. And as we told you all earlier in the live cast, these are these shows include all new reports filed by our very special correspondents. Right, special so holiday and end of the year wrap up reports. And we will on in one. One of them in our Christmas special, we will be discussing a question which we would like you all to post your responses to on our Facebook page. What is Kwanzaa and do you celebrate it or do anyone you care about celebrate it? Do any does anyone? What's he like, Julie? <laughs> Excuse my grammar. 
What is Kwanzaa? Look, every black friend that I have does not celebrate Kwanzaa. They find it mildly condescending. They, they've referred to is it, it as, a real a, thing? as a made-up holiday. And we don't they, mean to disparage not, anybody's holiday. This is a legitimate investigation of what Kwanzaa is. And so if you if you know what it is, if you celebrate it, if you've participated in any celebrations, go to our Facebook page for the Dinner Party Show and post your responses there, and we will discuss them when we are in the studio next week. And we're doing, together. and it's Christmas Without Borders, the our first annual Christmas. Absolutely. So if you we've started um, on the, the Facebook page as well, send in your pictures from your greater Christmasville or Hanukkah Hills or Kwanzaa Acres. Absolutely. Or, uh, Ramadan. <laughs> Ramadan rambling. Right, Ramadan, yeah, yeah, Ramadan Ranch or wherever it is that you're from. Post whatever holiday pictures, whatever your celebration is on the Facebook page and we'll include them because we think... That it's and a time of year for us to come together in celebration. Don't be intimidated by Eric's Christmasville photos either. Eric is a Christmas overachiever, as I have said many times on the show. He also has a condition that I refer to as holiday dysmorphia, which is that he always believes when he is I at really the Christmas do. tree lot that he's buying a smaller tree than he had last year. So he buys a ridiculously large Christmas tree to overcompensate, which they've cut a foot off of your tree this I, they year did. to get they it in your apartment. They actually had to cut a foot off the top of the tree. I, I really honestly thought it was smaller this year. It's one of those things. It's, it's a condition. I shouldn't joke. I'm not joking. I'm talking about the right. condition. Right. It's a very serious. We're going to probably do a telethon in the new year for holiday dysmorphia sufferers. It'll be <laughs> 16 hours of Eric sitting in front of his Christmas village right? doing all sorts of fun stuff. So we have a lot for you to post on Facebook. And there's a lot yet to come this year. It, we won't be live. And we... I. Did we? I hope we didn't skip over anybody's questions. We were just having so much fun with Mark and, and we, Ted you know, on the air. We didn't have a lot of questions tonight, but we had a lot of comments and participation, particularly from Michael Min. She was chiming in. I'm, unfortunately, yes, Michael, Judy Dench is going blind. She's yeah, got a medical really condition. Is. She's got, I think it's macular degeneration. She's She literally, I think it's her grandchild, has to do run lines with her. Bless her heart. I love Judy Dench. I, I hate that we're going to lose her more and more. Yeah, it's a very sad. But um, Justin Simpson was chiming in as well. He's one of our most loyal listeners. Thank you, Justin. He said the audiobook was one of our best. So oh. very glad to hear that. Yeah, it was a great one. And so we had a lot of people. We had a we had a four-second service interruption, which threw a lot of people off. But again, if you're listening to this and you went through that with us, the thing to do is to refresh your page that has the player on it. Or you can just wait for our podcast, which should post tomorrow afternoon. And we'll continue to try and figure out how the hell to do this show. We will, but it's been I was reflecting on this on the way over here tonight, Eric. Like it has been wow. It took us a year and a half to just develop this studio. And figure out how to do this. To find the personnel that could support us. We're supported by a great network of staff members here at the Dinner Party Show. We joke about our butler, Shea Butters, who never oh. speaks, who does all our evil Facebook posts. But we have Brandon and Brad in the kitchen doing an amazing job, as always. He'll keep and us so, on the air, Because absolutely. it's the end of the year, we're going to do a fanfare for our guys, Brandon Griffith and Brett Chernin. Thank you so Thank much you guys. for making the show happen week in and week out. And we will... Uh, have a lot of exciting guests in the new year, but it's too early to talk about who they right, are. Right, so keep uh, follow us on Twitter and on the Facebook page, and of course at thedinnerpartyshow.com, and we'll keep you posted as things develop, but uh, we'll still be around. And we'll, we'll be around, absolutely. See you live in the new year, but there's plenty more to come this year. Tune in for our holiday specials this coming Sunday and the next. Thank you all.
I've been to a marvelous party.